to the After the Snow podcast, episode two. I'm your co-host, Dave Mays. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Breakbeat Media that's bringing this program through our network to you guys. And um, I am happy to get into talking about uh, the new season, the snowfall season five just debuted last night. So we're back today to talk about it. Um, I have my illustrious co-host, Mr. Freeway Rick Ross. What's going on, Rick? <clears throat> what's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? Ready? Yeah. And uh, uh, we have a special guest with us today, uh, Ms. Brett Jeffries, who's a chief creative officer for Breakbeat and our resident uh, television specialist. Thanks, Dave. Hey, everybody. So like Dave said, I am the chief creative officer at Breakbeat. Um, I'm also the co-creator and co-executive producer of After the Snow. So I'm loving this. I'm loving getting the opportunity to watch this show really closely. Um, so before we dive into what happened last night, I think it's important to revisit what happened at the end of last season. So uh, let's touch base on that. So when we left off, Franklin was really on the outs with everyone. His inner circle was starting to question his leadership. Um, the identity of his CIA cocaine supplier, Reed Thompson, had been exposed by his father, Alton. Um, and they came to a face-off between Reed, Franklin, Alton, and Franklin's mom, Sissy. Um, eventually that ended and Alton and Sissy, they leave for Cuba on a private plane uh, to escape the drug world and find some peace and happiness together. Or so they think. We don't know yet. Um, after a brief time in Cuba and seemingly finding happiness, uh, one day C Sissy leaves for the market. Um, after a few minutes of being gone, uh, Alton is sitting in the kitchen and he hears the, the door open. He's thinking it's Sissy coming back that maybe she forgot something. He turns around and realizes it's actually Reed. So Reed has popped back up. He's in Cuba. We don't know what's going on, but Reed pulls out a gun and the audience is left with kind of a cliffhanger. So that's where we leave off on uh, on the at the end of season four. So let's jump into how the premiere started last night with season five. The show opens with the 1986 tragic death of basketball star Lynn Bias. And we're going to get into that when we first start breaking down the show. That was a tough one for a lot of people. Uh, we discover that Franklin's crew is seemingly back together and, and doing pretty well. Uh, Franklin wants to keep it this way, too. This is really important for him, uh, in part because of his live-in girlfriend and business partner, Veronique, who is expecting the couple's first child. So we find out that they're pregnant. This is really, really exciting news. Um, Franklin's desire to keep their growing family protected is tested when White Rob's friend Thad uh, really overdoes it one night uh, on cocaine, and he shoots and kills an innocent party goer, party goer who he thinks has slighted him. So to rectify this, Franklin one day calmly brings White Rob to his mom's house, which Franklin has kept despite Sissy being in Cuba, uh, so that White Rob can kind of lay low and slowly detox with Wanda's help. This is heartbreaking. You know, Franklin's going to have to take out one of his oldest and nearest and dearest friends. Uh, so that's, you know, that's sad. Um, but I think possibly one of the saddest parts, at least for me, I have to say, for of the episode 
is that uh, White Rob seems clueless that his death is imminent. And, uh, you know, after they take out that White Rob, he lights up his crack pipe one last time and he searches for um, Haley's Comet in the night sky. Uh, as Franklin pulls out a gun and shoots his one of his best friends, uh, now with White Rob and Thad dead, uh, Franklin. We see Franklin now happily talking about this new, possibly bright future with Veronique. But uh, Teddy slash Reed has other plans. He wants his old job back, so he sets out to get this get this job back, and uh, he visits uh, his old boss in disguise. Uh, he takes note that uh, that Grady is skimming money off the top and canoodling canoodling with Black Diamond. Um, so then Teddy pays a second visit to to Grady. Uh, this time as himself, he's not in disguise, and he asks him to quit. Uh, and he secretly poisons and kills Grady when Grady disagrees to to step down. Um, and then next he moves on to Franklin and, and Teddy pays a surprise visit to him. Um, but at this point, Franklin is still referring to Teddy as Reed. That's all he's known him as is Reed. Um, and Reed lets Franklin know, really on a, no uncertain terms, he tells him that he's the boss. He doesn't ask. He lets him know, I'm the boss again. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. That's our, our recap <laughs> for the season premiere. It's a lot going but, on. But so you, that's a, a long recap. Your memory is is tremendous. Oh, I wish. You know, I've got I've got my notes <laughs> taken out of my iPad. I, I wish I could remember all those facts. We have a lot of players in the game here. This I, I think I'm gonna throw this one to, to Dave, but please, uh Rick, please feel free to chime in. Dave, you you grew up in DC, which is obviously very close to Maryland, which is where Lynn played. Tell me about this time. Like, what was going on when when Lynn was playing? Like, how did how did people feel about him both uh, during the the highlight of his career when he was coming up, and then in the aftermath of his death? What what was the time like? What were the feelings like then? Well, you know, Lynn was a hometown hero. He was from Maryland, um, right outside of D.C. You know, from the D.C. area, D.M.V. And, um, you know, he was beloved throughout the D.C. area. Then he went to University of Maryland where he was killing it. You know, uh, this is a guy who was at the time, uh, you know, neck and neck with Michael Jordan as the two top players in, in college basketball. Uh, so D.C. being, a you know, a basketball city, um, you know, this was big for the city to have uh, a player of that magnitude uh, doing so well and then, you know, getting drafted and, um, um, you know, it was devastating. I mean, you know, this is like people looked at Lynn Bias, you know, like family, uh, to them in, in the community in DC. So, um, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was awful when, uh, when, when he died and, um, and the politicians and the news jumped on it too. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about they, that. They, they were, they were biting at the bit, you know, I was still selling drugs at that time. I think that was around 87 when that happened. 86. Yeah. Uh, 86. So, yeah. Did that affect your, your, you know, your business? Because I imagine people saw this star fall from grace. It, it didn't really, it didn't, it didn't really affect the business per, per se. But one of the things that we were trying to find out is what did he really get high on? Because we had never saw anybody die from using coke, not from freebasing. You know, I've saw people freebase for weeks at a time, you know, like, they got so much money that they they just keep going, you know, and they never stop. And and I never saw one of them die. So 
when I see him on the news promoting that Lynn Bias died from freebasing, it was like, the fuck was he freebasing? You know, like, I ain't never saw that shit. And I don't, you know, I don't saw guys who, who buy 15 and 20 kilos and they freebase until they buy their next 20, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that type of freebasing. So when I, when I heard it, it was like, it kind of took me back, but I didn't really follow the news the way I should have. Uh, uh, but I know that the news really captivated on it. They, they started coming out with the crack babies and, and that's when, uh, the Reagan administration went in also and, and, and changed the laws to, to make it, uh, for crack cocaine a hundred times worse than, than, than powder cocaine. And I don't know if, if, if I never saw the real autopsy on, on, on Lynn Bias, what really happened to Lynn Bias. So, uh, from what I learned about our system, though, you know, from from going to prison and, and, and studying the law, they have taken situations and flipped them. You know, say, for instance, what we found out is I, I know you all probably saw the commercials with, with crack babies that shaking. And when actuality, those are really alcoholic babies. Uh, the Harvard University and a couple of universities did studies and they said that crack cocaine didn't make babies shake, you know, uh, but they use that in order to push their agenda. And, you know, it's also during the time that that uh, that George Bush Sr., you know, they had a bus in, in, in D.C., a cocaine bus. The guy was going to sell the cocaine in one part of the town. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. Bring it over here. So what they did is they lured the guy across the street from the White House and then they bought the drugs from him across the street from the White House so that, you know, it could make make the news and, and make the story bigger than what it really was. And and once you know that our system had been playing those type of games uh, uh, with the truth, and then you have to question, you know, what did he really get high on? Did he have a heart uh, problem already where, you know, using cocaine may have assisted it and it may not have assisted it. But uh, we never know because of the system. Don't put the facts all the way out the way they should. Yeah. You know, another thing that I've always been really curious about that scene where. Franklin takes out White Rob, you know, his one of his oldest and closest best friends. That just like, I mean, I was in shock to see that. I was disturbed by that too. You know, yeah. I was disturbed by his in in uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? He, he, I mean, I, I've had a lot of friends that use crack cocaine. My brothers, you know, my sister, aunties, uncles, you know, I mean. And when, when, when I first started selling cocaine, I thought it was cool. You know, I, I tried it a few times myself. Uh, I got lucky that I got sick when I did it. And I said, you know what? I'll never want to feel like that again. I'll never do it again. And I quit. Uh, but my friends and, and family, some of them didn't, you know. And when, when, when you're doing this, you have to have a sensitivity to them. You know, you can't be so cold and and. I don't know. Just his whole demeanor in, in, in this show is 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 not the demeanor uh, of, of somebody who. Um, when, when I sold cocaine, I sold cocaine to get out of poverty. I was running from poverty. I, I wasn't running for riches because I never thought that I would be rich. You know, uh, uh, so so I was more so doing it to give myself a boost to get myself maybe a little business that I could, that I could start, you know, my first business I wanted was a body shop. You know, I wanted to work on cars and, and, and just get started. So when, when, and I haven't saw the whole show, you know, I just started watching it. I've been boycotting 
snowfall, a snowfall, or, you know, uh, for my own reasons, you know, I got my own personal reasons why I haven't been watching it. They took your story. And I have passed by a couple of TV sets when people were, were watching it, you know, and, and I glanced at it and, and, and I had lunch with, with Franklin as well. I've had lunch with Franklin about, about five years ago when the show first, first started. Uh, and I, and I liked the guy, you know, I really liked Franklin. He, he, I thought he was a great guy and everything, but, uh, the, the 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 sensitivity i don't see that in 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 this show and and it, it may be the writers you know who wrote the show uh um because technically if you want to get really technical about it um the guy that he shot what was his name tim uh the, his friend the, the white, friend that he white killed boy rob. White, white boy rob white, white rob yeah. rob should have never knew that he was dealing with the cia right so it wasn't Rob's fault that the guy knew it was, True. it starts from the top. You know, if the top guy puts it out, you know, it, it's like when, when, when I was sitting in prison and, and, and I was like, damn, you know, I, I, I didn't want nobody to know who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted it to be a secret. You know, I didn't want anybody to know that Rick Ross was the man. Right. But what I found out is that it trickles down. You know, if, if, if here you is, you got one of your top guys and, he goes somewhere and mentions your name. Mm-hmm. Now that's a big deal because this guy's a big deal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so it trickles down. So when, when he blamed Rob for, for, for this guy knowing he should have really been blaming himself mm-hmm. for telling Rob that he was dealing with the CIA. Cause that's something that you, you, you don't tell everybody, you know, who, who your connection mm-hmm. is. Did you, um, did, did you ever have situations with family members or friends, you know, where you kind of had to make a choice between, you know, business and, and, and personal? Man, so many times. Let me tell you, uh, one of my girl's dad, and this is in Cincinnati, and he really hurt me bad, too, with this one. Uh, I was getting ready to leave the game. This was going to be my last lick. I had 15 kilos of cocaine in the car. It was two days before the first of the month. I was going to sell them for 45000 a piece, and that was going to be my retirement money. I was going to take that money. And just go partying with it, do whatever I wanted to do with this money. Well, he found out that I had stashed my, my, my Coke in the car. He broke in the car and stole it. So then I had to decide, do you want to kill your son's granddaddy? You know, and for me, it just wasn't worth it. You know, uh, it just didn't make sense. I, I mean, too, you know, you know, too, when you when you start talking about murder and mayhem, you bring a whole different element to the game. Now, you, you're not talking about narcotic agents. You know, some of them are pretty smart. But when you talk about homicide police, whole different element, <laughs> a whole different element, especially here in L.A. You do not want homicide on your heels because um, they don't play. And, 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 and especially when it comes down to, you know, drugs and gangs and, and so forth. Um, another thing. uh that I noticed with the new episode and wanted to ask you about, um, you see a few things, you see Franklin flying a plane, uh, at the beginning. Uh, so he's learned how to fly. He owns plane. Now, um, (laughs) you see, um, uh, his uncle, you know, buying a horse and they're going horseback riding. So I was just curious, you know, did you ever have your own plane? Did you, ever have interest in horses I, I didn't buy my plane but i was taking i was taking flying lessons mm, really i was taking flying lessons so uh, and my goal was once i got my license 
you know, that I was going to get my own plane. Oh, um, wow. Okay. It, it's just so funny that so many similarities in, in this show to, 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 to my story. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And, and the horses, all the guys had horses. I, I never had a horse, but all my fellas, right. all of them had horses where they would go horseback riding and, and, and so forth. I wasn't into the horse thing, though, you know. And what about taking it back? What about your your mom wanting to to get away from it and and and, and move away and get into to Cuba in this case? No, my mom was totally the opposite. Uh, you know, I tried to buy my mom a house out of the hood, and she wouldn't move. You know, I got lucky; the freeway bought her house. They made her move. They used eminent domain on her. <laughs> That's the only way we got her out of here. She 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 she. You know, uh, my mom first. She was a diehard Christian. So when, okay. when she first found out about drugs, me selling drugs, I was the devil, you know, like mm-hmm. throw holy oil on me and all that stuff. <laughs> wow. I was blessed. Right. Uh, but no, she was totally against uh, 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 me buying her a house or, or moving her out of the hood or anything like that. There, She she was happy where she was at. She wanted to be close to her church uh, and she wanted to be around her friends. So she was totally against uh, uh, me moving. Um, it was only years later that the freeway came through and they widened out the freeway and they was like, Oh no, you gonna move. If we had, mm-hmm. if we had to drag you out that house, you getting out of there. So, uh, no, she didn't want to. When you said, when you said yesterday that, uh, you, you thought that, uh, the mother character did remind you a little bit of your mom. What, what were, what were the things you were thinking? Well, about? well, you know, they, sh- they showed a strong, firm, firm woman. My mom was really, really strong and firm. And, you know, my, my house was like the, the, the hangout for all the fellas. You know, we had a basketball court in the backyard. So everybody came home and played basketball. We had weights. Um, we played football on the side of the house because it was a dead end, you know, so cars really didn't come down the street. So that was our football field. Um, when we started low riding, um, we worked on the cars right on the side of her house. So, so my mom was, was, was very, very community oriented, uh, uh, and, and a people's person, you know, where she really got along with all my, uh, all my friends looked at my mom as if she was their mother. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's, and, a, and there's a, go ahead. And they didn't call her Miss Ross. They call her mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, everybody in, in, in South Central called my mother, mom. Because that's the way she treated us. There, there's a point in the series where Franklin's mom, Sissy, does come to terms with what he's doing, and you know, and his and his lifestyle, um, and in some sense, I guess, accepts it, um, you know, and does use his money for greater good, and you know, they buy a um, a shelter, and they, you know, start buying businesses. Um, did your mom ever get to that point? where she was, you know, kind of okay with things. Yeah. Yeah. She, she started accepting it, you know, first, first the pastor at the church accepted it. You know, she came and said, we need air conditioners at the mm-hmm. church. We're burning up in there. And I said, Oh, no problem. And I bought air conditioners for the church. And then she said, Oh, we need new chairs. And I bought, pool, uh, you know, the big long chairs for the church. And when that happened, my mom, you know, felt a little better, you know, felt that I was at least using the money uh, uh, to do God's work. Um, and then when I got the motel, um, I, I turned it over to my mom totally, you know, I let her run it. I felt that that would be her business to, to take over and run. And, uh, she did it a little bit, but she didn't, she didn't like that either. That was a, another lane of work that she couldn't deal with. So mm-hmm. eventually, uh, I had to sell it. 
but uh, she, 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 she never, my, my mom was never involved, you know, never saw, um, she saw, I think when she first time found my money, I think it was a hundred thousand dollars, maybe a little more, but other than that, she never really saw money. You know, I, I didn't want my family. One of the worst things would have been for me if, is if my mom would have got arrested, mm-hmm. you know, for, for what I was doing. And then, I would have been dead in the water because I would have had to come in and admit everything I did. Uh, also, you know, my brothers, you know, I, I was able to keep them out of it as well. Uh, my little sister, you know, she, she was a different story. She was a gangster. Uh, and like 15, she shot up somebody's house and I felt that it would be better for her to be selling drugs than to be gangbanging. So I allowed her to, to come in and, uh, uh, and, and work with me more than, than anybody else. Uh, but as she made a few thousand dollars, she she went on about her business and and kind of straightened up a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, now, what about your dad? I mean, they have a, a a pretty well. We've seen him in the first four seasons, and we're not sure where he's at now. But uh, it, uh, uh, his dad Alton uh, is a former Black Panther. And what uh, um, what wh- wh- was your relationship with your your dad like? And and did you have any kind of influences like that in, in your life? No, me and my dad didn't really have a relationship. I, I spent the most time that I ever spent with him uh, when I got out on my second bit in 94. Uh, you know, I got out in Tyler, Texas, and they wouldn't allow me to uh, to come back to California until they transferred my parole here. So I had to stay there. And I think I stayed with him about three weeks. And, and you know, I kind of got to know him a little bit. That was for three weeks, that that was the time that, that I really stayed with my dad. Uh, uh, but it was an interesting time, you know, to to have that time to 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 be around him, you know. And I got to know him, and and you know, I found out he had a little bit of an entrepreneur spirit about himself. You know, he raised hogs, and I found out he used to be a bootlegger uh, <laughs> for alcohol, and you know, so it was interesting. But no, uh, me and my dad really didn't have a relationship. Uh, you know, I kind of, you know, uh, my mom raised me, so I kind of despised my dad. When I was growing up, you know, my mom, you know how mom can, she can drop that salt on it, you know, oh, he wasn't never around and he ain't never did nothing for you. You know, why, mm-hmm. why you, why you messing with, don't mess with him. You don't need him. So, uh, I took her, you know, that was my, my mom was my whole world. You know, when, when we, we moved to California, it was just me and her, uh, we had left my oldest brother in Texas and, uh, you know, all my life, the only two I knew was, was my mom and my brother. So when she said something, that's what it was. So, uh, I didn't really want a relationship with my dad until after I got older and and had went to prison and 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 kind of had re 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 looked at my whole life, you know how how my life had been. Uh, well, turn out, you know, since since you've been out of prison for sure, you know, you've become very well known and recognized as a public speaker and as an activist, somebody uh, you know that's um, you know pushing for for change um, in a positive way. Um, in, in a number of areas. Yes. Um, describe that transformation. Was that something, did you, did you have a, some of that in you, uh, you know, back in the eighties or did that come from being in prison? Did you go through a transformation of, of how you looked at the world? Well, Dave, you've been, in, you've been in show business. So you kind of know, uh, in the early eighties, cocaine and show business went hand in hand, you know, most of the actors and movie stars, you know, Richard Pryor, Remember, he got burned up and uh, Quincy Jones had no surgery because he had snorted so much cocaine. Don Cornelius, 
I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, uh, there was even one actor who said uh, in his writer that he needed an ounce of cocaine. You know, everywhere, every time that he performed, he needed an ounce of cocaine there. So, so when, when, when we started out, this didn't look like crack mamas. You know what I'm saying? It didn't look like women selling their bodies uh, uh, to get a fix. You know, I didn't see that. It was only later that I started to see the crack mamas and, you know, and people selling their food stamps and, and women willing to go out on the stroll to do whatever they want to do. I mean, to 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 to, to fix their their habits. Um, and once I saw that, it, it, it made me start to think uh, that maybe this wasn't what I thought it was, you know, that, that I had got the wrong idea. So um, I just looked like it was just like a party, a party situation. And, and I, I felt that I was bringing a piece of Hollywood to the ghetto, you know, because when, when you look at life, we had been locked out on so many things, you know, the way I felt that, that black people had been locked out on so many things. Uh, and, and I also saw black and white bathroom bathrooms before in my life. You know, I've been told, Hey, you can't touch that TV. You know what I'm saying? That's the white TV. The black TV is over there. Uh, uh, little bitty, TV with spit and everything on it, filthy, and they got this big, nice color TV sitting in the front. So when when, when I, I saw all this, all this played a part, and I thought cocaine was just another part of the world of society that they didn't want us to have that was good. And 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 when I started to see the money coming in, I really felt that oh yeah, I'm definitely on the right track. You know, uh, one of my guys who went to to the to the army, and when he came back. You know, he said he see these young guys, 15 years old, driving Mercedes Benz, Rolls Royces. So for us, we thought that this was something that was sent from from God, from heaven. Uh, so so that's kind of how uh, uh, we, we looked at it, you know, when we were doing it. Uh, Franklin has a new uh, girlfriend in this season. Um, she's, you know, portrayed as a very kind of sharp business like lady um doing her thing and uh you know she gets pregnant and you know she's already telling franklin you know she really needs him to get out of the business go legitimate so he can protect her and her, her and the family um and uh you know i was wondering about your love life over the years um i know you know you, you're you're obviously married now and you have some uh younger children, but what, what was your love life back, you know, in the, in the eighties and early nineties and how did that, mm -hmm. how did that impact, you know, <laughs> I your, uh, you know, how did that impact the business if, if at all? Well, you know, when, when you, you know, when you're walking around South central LA and, and, and I'm going to try to take you back during that time, uh, the average person was making a great job at that time, probably was $200 a week. That was a great job. I was probably making maybe 500,000 profit a week. And I walked around South Central LA. So you're talking about now would be the equivalent to, to, to Michael Jordan walking the streets probably, or Kobe Bryant, or just walking the streets, you know, uh, where people could see you and talk to you. So, you know, uh, I mean, girls would come up to me, the ones who know me, because everybody didn't know me. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have that, I didn't have that that look where you could 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 pick me out as dope dealer. You know, you couldn't just see me and say, oh, dope dealer. You know, sometimes you could just see guys and you'd be like, oh, dope dealer. 
for sure dope dealer. Uh, I didn't have that look. You know, I, I had more average Joe Blow look, you know, but there were people who knew me, you know, because they were from the neighborhood and, you know, they would see how the guys would, you know, Siphons, if I would go to the park, everybody would come around and everybody would be talking to me. You know, I I, I mean, even when I'd be playing a basketball game and, and guys on the sideline signaling to me, hey, man, hurry up, hurry up. I, I need to holler at you, <laughs> you know, so. Uh, 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 women would, you know, women would literally come up to me and, 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 you know, and make their pitch. You know, uh, they was pitching, you know, and, and sometimes I'd be hitting. <laughs> so, you know, I had a few, I had a few, I had a few girls, you know, I had, uh, I had, I have two kids, three kids that was all born in the same year. Um, uh, they all the same age. Um, uh, so all their mothers was pregnant at the same time. Uh, yeah, I, I got around a little bit, you know, not like some of my homies, though. You know, some of my homies got 20 and 30 kids. You know, they really, oh, wow. they really, they really but, did it. Uh, but, but you were never in like a really committed, you know, uh, relationship. Oh, no, I was committed to all of them. <laughs> you know, I, I don't just, <laughs> I don't just jump around, you know, when I, when, it, when, when, yeah. when I meet somebody it's it's and especially you know if I start having sex with them it's 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 serious because you know when you're sleeping with somebody that's one of your most vulnerable times you know um, you could be sleeping they open the door and let somebody in and and they do whatever they want to do to you so uh, <clears throat> has to be somebody that that that's vetted out you know uh, uh, that you know very well or somebody that you know that you really trust or know them very well so it, it was kind of like a process of of, of you know where one of your homies would, would would bring them to you and say, "Hey, this is somebody that's okay for you." Well, you know, I, I know you're not caught up on all the episodes, but in season four, uh, Franklin kind of got played by uh, by a woman, uh, or as his uncle Jerome said, you know, was pussy whipped. Do you feel like that uh, that ever happened to you in your you know in in your heyday? Did any woman kind of kind of get you caught up? When you say caught up, I don't know. I don't know to, to, to when you say caught up because yeah, yeah, you are caught up somewhat, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm always, I've always been a person that have a strong will, you know, and uh, I can go against what I believe I should be doing for what I know now that I should be doing. You know, if if it be brought to my attention that I'm doing something wrong. I can I can straighten it out. I can stop. Yeah. So like so in season four, this this girl and now I, I, I can't think of her her name. She essentially was uh, playing Franklin against uh, this this other uh, dealer, Drew, and kind of going back and forth, telling them information about the other. He eventually figured it out, but he was kind of blind to it at first because he was so into this woman. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that could happen, but, but see, in my situation, it, it was, it was kind of like, I, I was at one time, I was like the player, you know, mm-hmm. you couldn't do no better than me, you know. It, it mm-hmm. became times where other guys came in and challenged me for my throne, but it, it was multiple times that different people would come in and 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 make their, you know, make their challenges, but for the most part, you know, for for a few years. You know, I, I had the ring, you know, pretty much to myself, you know, literally where I could almost did whatever I wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when I sit in prison and I thought about the, the powers that I had, had I, I, I mean, I couldn't be the guy that I am today 
and, and, and have that kind of power that I had back then, it would be, mm-hmm. it would be insane. You know, what I could do with that same power. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, when, when I, when, if people just knew part of the stuff that came to me, you know, just like walk into my living room, you know, like, let's say for instance, I'll go to the soul train awards with Otis Smith and, and Don Cornelius and, and, uh, we standing right next to Michael Jackson's trailer and they like, you want to meet Michael? And I was like, no, you know, uh, the Godfather, the black Godfather, you know, whose, whose wife just got killed. Well, one of my best friends Mm -hmm. was his personal bodyguard. And he used to like, man, you need to meet this guy. You and this guy are so much alike. And I'd be like, Oh, tell him to come to South central, you know, uh, cause that's what I was doing. You know, I I felt, I, I felt that my world was with those guys that I grew up with, you know, like I could never, I, I mean, you know, one of my best friends, you know, uh, he smoked cocaine, you know, he would come over to the house and steal every gun in the house. You know, we, when he would come over, you know, he, he would go on his smoking bins and, and he might come back after three or four weeks. And when he come in, I'd be like, Hey, put all the guns away. Cause you know, he going to steal them, make him a big pot of food, mm-hmm. let him eat, give him a place to sleep. Cause he's going to be sleeping for a few days and then he's going to be all right. And he's going to hang out for a few weeks and get himself back healthy. And then he's going to take off again. But that's because I had unconditionally love for this guy, you know, no matter what he did, but I also knew that he would do nothing to me, you know, like how in, in there with Franklin thought this guy might tell on him or something like that. I knew that this guy wouldn't tell on me. You know, I knew that mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. it came down to it and, and he, he would literally die for me or die with me, if it was necessary, if I called him and say, Hey man, some dudes got some guns. They're trying to kill me. He was coming. So, you know, when you have that kind of friendship mm-hmm. and that kind of loyalty, you know, I, I don't think that, um, you can get that up for anything. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he was one of the few guys that came to every one of my court hearings. Every time I went to court, he was sitting in the courtroom. That's loyalty. I, I, I want to take, take it back to that in a second. I do want to ask, taking it back to the show, uh, Veronique, who is Franklin's new girlfriend, who's expecting, uh, do we have any early predictions about her? You know, to both of you, do, you, do we think that she is going to be loyal and, and on his side? Or do we think she has some, uh, some other motive? I think she's going to take over the business. Yeah. I think she's going to take over, you know, uh, this story has to go somewhere. I mean, I can't see them ending this story with him not going to prison. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this would be, it would define, it would define the system. You know, like I only know a couple guys that walked away from the cocaine game that never went to prison. Mm-hmm. You know, only a couple, you know. Um, and for him to, to actually be in the business and never go to prison uh, for me would be, would be mind boggling, but these, these writers in this story has surprised me so <laughs> forth. So maybe they'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Dave, what about you earlier? You had mentioned something to me that I thought was an interesting angle that you possibly saw some, some parallels between, um, Veronique Franklin's, uh, now girlfriend and Sissy Franklin's mom. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Um, yeah, that was just like my first impression when I saw Veronique, you know, she's handling her business and she's doing real estate and, you know, it just, it almost felt like Franklin had found a woman that in some ways reminded him of, of his mom. That was just the, the, the feeling I got, um, when I first saw her character. 
I could see that. I mean, she's got this kind of strong personality and she has a way um, of getting in Franklin's head. So I definitely could see that, you know. Exactly. Like she's conniving. Yeah. Conniving. If if she was conniving enough to get him to kill his Mm -hmm. friend, you know, with Mm -hmm. that simple, you know, just imagine what's going to happen once, you know, the baby gets here, you know. uh, She's got a little power for sure. And she gets in his head. So I, I definitely see that. But technically, technically though, uh, she already is 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 a conspirator. Mm-hmm. In what ways? Right now, she's a, she's laundering the money. Mm-hmm. She's cleaning the money up. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't clean drug money up. Mm-hmm. If if, if um, I don't know if a lot of people don't know, but the Ladonians um, was the gold dealers from from downtown LA, and they uh, they said they did a couple billion dollars worth of clean up money for, for the Colombian cartel. And, and they gave those guys 500 years. They gave them the same amount of time that had they caught the Colombian cartel, they would have gave the Colombian cartel because they said that their job was just as important to the business as, uh, as the cartels was. So basically what I'm saying is that for her clean up Franklin's money, she's just as much a part of what Franklin is doing as if she pulled a trigger or if she went out and sold the drugs, she plays the same role that 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 he's playing really in 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 this conspiracy mm-hmm. in conspiracy. Mm-hmm. So she's a co-conspirator right now. So really, that baby could be an orphanage, yeah. an orphan. Yeah, you know, he could wind up without a mama or dad. You know, if uh, uh, if this goes the way the system works, right. you know, because <laughs> right. you know the way the feds work. When when they grab you, they make sure they grab the mama, the baby mama, the yeah. girlfriend, everybody, everybody. because. What they want you to do is to start cleaning off, letting the people go who who you care about. Mm-hmm. So so what I want to take it back to, you were just talking about one of your best friends who, uh, you know, d- did use, uh, you know, use drugs. Was it was it ever difficult for you to continue selling when so many people around you were also users? No, it wasn't. It was easy for me to go. You know what I said is is. The first thing I came up with, if I didn't sell it to him, somebody else would. Okay. So it was better for me to get the money than somebody else to get the money. And that went on for a few years. You know, I, I kept filling myself with, with those excuses. You know, they're going to get it from somebody. You know, they're going to get it. Uh, so, no, it didn't bother me that that, that my friends and family uh, was using and, and that I was selling to them. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point, though, you know, I got to a point and, and this is how I eventually was able to quit selling drugs was that I found myself starting to be a hypocrite, mm-hmm. you know, because I started telling everybody, hey, don't sell to my girl. Don't sell to my girl. Don't sell mm-hmm. to my uncle. Don't sell to my brother. And then I found out that the only reason that I could do people like that, it was because I had the power. So I literally right. had become a bully in the game yep. where I didn't want anybody selling to my people, but, and I was selling to everybody. So uh, when I came to those grips, uh, that's when I made my mind up that it was time for me to, to walk away from the game. Mm. Now you, um, you've brought this up a little bit yesterday. And then again, today you were talking about, um, you know, how you walked through South Central back in the day, like, you know, Michael Jordan, um, and still to this day, you know, you're still in touch with your neighborhood and your community. I live in South Central right yeah. now. I still now, live in this, South Central. There's, there's very, very few people who could do that. Um, and then you look at this, you know, in this hip hop world, 
Um, you have all these artists, you know, you're always hearing about them, you know, having to leave their own cities or, um, you know, not being able to come back to their neighborhoods. Um, it's, it's a challenge, you know, uh, that very few people have figured out the ability to, to, to do. So I wanted to kind of get an understanding from you. What is it, you know, that, that's given you that, uh, that grounding and the ability to do it in a way and stay, you know, connected in a way without, uh, it coming back to, you know, to, to bite you or whatever. Well, I think, I think one of the most important things is, is to stay humble. You know, you got to become, you got to stay humble, you know, and, and when I look at, um, at Franklin, he's lost that humbleness, you know, he's, he's, I'm the man, you know, when, when you're around my homies, they don't treat me like the man, you know, they treat me like, oh, that's the homie, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't, uh, uh put me on a pedestal and I don't, I don't want them to put me on a pedestal. Uh, I, I just want to be like everybody else just because I figured out a way to, 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 to make some money doesn't make me special. You know, it's, it's my actions that make me special. And I believe that everybody is special, you know, and I treat them like that. So usually when people come around me, they, they get something from me that they can't get from most people. And that's that I'm going to big them up. You know, I'm going to I'm going to build you up. I'm going to make you feel uh, that that you're somebody special. And, you know, I got I got a lot of my guys off of off of cocaine with with that same mentality. You know, I would take them. Uh, they would ride in the car with me for weeks. And, and you know, when because whenever they were around me, they wouldn't use cocaine. It was only when they were away from me that they would use. And I found out that if I kept them with me for a couple of weeks, then they, they would build up the strength to uh, to cut it loose. And that's kind of how I do, you know, even with, with, with the gangs right now, you know, I, I never try to make myself appear bigger than them. You know, I always try to show them the same respect that, that they show me or even more most of the time, because you're always supposed to give more than you than you take. Now, what about, um, you know, we we're seeing these scenes with them uh, talking about buying real estate and they need 10 million dollars to, you know, purchase this uh, property and um you know, and, and part of it is about them trying to go legitimate. Um, how far down that road did you get? I know you had, you know, a lot of other businesses. Um, I've heard you speak on on those before, but I did real estate. You know, where what was your? Plan? I, I, I did real estate. I had, I had, uh, you know, you know, the, the dope game had taught me so much. You know, I, I mean, I still use, I still use the strategies and stuff that uh, that I learned from the dope game, because um, you know, I didn't graduate from high school. You know, my high school dropout. Really, really, I shouldn't even been in junior high school because I couldn't read at all. You know, couldn't spell at all. So I, I really should have been in elementary school, probably like the second grade. <laughs> probably, probably lower than the second grade education. Uh, but, but I was able to uh, finagle my way up into real estate to where I was messing with one of the biggest uh, landowners in California who was, uh, uh, I, I ain't gonna mention his name. Cause you know, I plan on doing this movie and whenever I mention something, somebody try to come up and, and take my ideas and, and, and use them. But, uh, I was doing real estate with, with, with some very powerful people right before. And I, I just met him about a year before I went to prison, but I had been doing real estate, you know, from the beginning, but you know, they, they whoop you, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, they'll whoop you in that, in anything, you know, and, and, and what I find out legitimate businesses is, is just as bad or maybe even worse than, than, than illegal business because um, 
in legal business, they don't think you'll kill them. You know, in the streets, they got a little more respect for you because they say, man, he might put that pistol on me. So, you know, they'd be a little more lenient about beating you. If they beat you, they're going to run. But, you know, in this legal business, they'll, they'll beat you and then stand around and, 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 and talk about it. So uh, I, I, I did quite a bit of real estate. Um, I think when I when I got arrested, the, the feds were saying that I had about 10, 10 million dollars worth, uh, worth of real estate. I believe that's what they'd estimate, maybe a little more. So, yeah, I was I was jumping. Wow, that's that's tra- that's tragic, though. I, I, I just can't imagine how how the system can can fail a kid so badly that, you know, you like you said, you feel like you didn't really get past even a, you know, a second grade reading level or education. I mean, how? I, well, I just, you know, and, and, and that's most of the guys, you know, 90, um, 60, 65 percent of the guys in prison can't read. That's wild. Sixty five percent. Then probably another 20 percent can't comprehend what they read. Mm. So literally, they're like non-readers either, but they just know the words, but they can't put together mm-hmm. the sentence, you know, and understand what the sentence means to them. So so reading definitely school definitely uh, plays a major uh, uh, part in uh, people becoming drug dealers and, and criminals. Uh I believe that that one of the ways to fight crime is is fight illiteracy and fight ignorance. Well, because that's ultimately correct me if I'm wrong. That's ultimately what um, affected your going to college to play tennis, right? That absolutely that's, right. Okay, okay. And, and and it affected my my ability to use my skills. See, I had picked up. Uh, 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 you know, my, my mom was, we was from Texas. You know, my mom had brothers that was in Texas that, that hauled uh, puck wood and hay and they dug ditches. And, and I would volunteer every summer to go down to Texas to work with my uncles so that I could make a dollar or $2 a week. You know, when I got back to LA, I would have some money and I volunteered to do that. So I, I built up a, a work ethic that was, that was crazy. So I had the work ethic. I just didn't have the know-how of what to put that work ethic toward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it went from stealing, first it was tennis. And then when, when tennis, I didn't have the, 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 the skill set mm-hmm. for tennis, you know, because really in tennis, if you ain't got no money, you ain't going to make it in tennis. You know, the Williams sisters, they, 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 they had it a little different, you know, and it was a little different era when, when they were coming up, it was just so many of us that had, been through the tennis cycle and had learned and didn't have anywhere else to go and teach that they were able to grab these guys who, who had learned the game and was able to teach them for free, really, you know, before they was able to jump over to, to these tennis academies. Uh, but when I was coming up, it wasn't that many guys who played tennis, you know, it was only a few and, and they were expensive. So, for me to make it in tennis was really tough because I had no financial backing. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I took those skills and started stealing cars. You know, 18 years old, I had my own chop shop. You know, I had three or four guys working for me um, before that got closed down. And then, you know, I took them and I turned them into the drugs. So now what I'm trying to do is, is take those same skills. And well, well, I used the skills and went out to get out of prison. You know, when I was sitting in prison, I took those same skills and, and I used them toward me getting out of prison and now I'm using them toward me, you know, doing uh, the work that I do right now. 
Mm-hmm. What, I want to say one, ask one last thing, just so we can uh, bring it back to to the show. I noticed that uh, Peaches, which who is uh, Franklin's uh, bodyguard, he is always there through thick and thin. He is always there. He's always got Franklin's back. Um, other than your best, he got a bodyguard named Peaches. Peaches, but big yeah. big guy. That's D Ray. D Ray, played play, play, play by D Ray, who who I think is yeah, yeah who I think is uh, Peaches. I always thought Peaches was a girl name. Yeah. But despite the <laughs> hey, but we can't discriminate. I got a boy's name myself, so um, <laughs> um, despite the feminine name, I think he uh, is you know big guy. I think he's an incredible actor and uh, comedian, but he's always there for Franklin. Um, other than your own like best friends, do you have like your main uh, you know bodyguard guy that was just always there and always had your back? No, I don't need no bodyguard. Okay, I mean. I mean, what what I need a bodyguard for? You know, first first of all, in order to need a bodyguard, you need enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have any enemies. You know, um, it 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 had got in, in in my community. It was like if you get to Rick, you good. Right. Just get to Rick. Right. Now my guys, they they had a buffer. You know, my guys was a buffer because they wouldn't allow people to get to me. You know, they would keep people away from me, uh, but not not to where they, you know, where I thought anybody was trying to harm me or mm-hmm. that, that I, you know, rode in the backseat of a car. And, you know, like right now, people even say, man, I didn't know you drove. Drive. I always drove. I love driving. You know, driving is, is, is to me, is a part of being free, you know, to, to go and come whenever you want to, you know. Uh, and that's what I sold drugs for, to be free, you know, to be able to jump in a car and drive, and to have a car. So, uh, no, I never had a bodyguard. I never... Uh, thought I needed a bodyguard, you know, and I still don't think that I need a bodyguard. Uh, I, you know, I think that's a form of being in custody. You know, you got to leave when the bodyguard says it's, it's, it's okay to move. You know, I, I move when I get ready to move. Right. You know, I couldn't imagine. I, I got to call the bodyguard. I want to go. I want to go down there and get me a vegan burger. <laughs> Where you at? <laughs> nah, nah, never that's that. That's real. Uh, that's real. Yeah. It's just, it's just some of the stuff, you know, that, that, that you see in there. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because those are just some of the things in 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 TV uh, stories, you know, about us, and and and, and I just don't agree with some mm-hmm. of them, you know, and I, I think that it's a bad look uh, because when the world sees us the first time, they see snowfall, you know, and and that's what they look at when when they see young black men, and, and I already know why they don't want to tell my story, you know, uh, you know, me and John was right there you know, before he did Snowfall. And, and why not call the story Freeway Rick? Mm-hmm. You know, why not? You know, why not tell a real story that people already knew? You know, my story is is, is so well known that, that it's crazy. But, you know, what I figured out is that if, if I was working with him, I would have wanted a true story. I would have wanted the story to stay close to what it really was so that people could really get to know what the life of a, of a black drug dealer is really like. And and I have never saw that story told on 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 the screen, you know. Uh, it's com- it's coming. We're gonna be doing that soon, <laughs> man. I know you're working on it. <laughs> you already know. And we're starting right here. Thank- right. We're starting with this. This is we're here to dispel the myth. So this is a good place to start. I agree. I agree. That's the only reason I took I took this when 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 Dave called me and and he's like, Man, you wanna do this? And you know, I was like, Snowfall, I don't want to watch that shit. You know, just the little parts I saw of it and, and you know, and just just the whole thing, the way, the way you know, the way John did me, I, I just felt so slighted. 
that I really didn't. But then after, you know, me and Dave kept talking and, and, you know, I said, you know what, it would be good for somebody to, to break it down and, and dispel the myths. You know, one of my guys called me from jail today and he was pissed. He was pissed about Franklin killing his best friend. He was like, man, they, they, they slandered you. Call your lawyer. <laughs> Cause you know, he's a jailhouse lawyer. So he's like, call your lawyer, man. They can't get away with that. They can't, they, they slandering you in the, in the, you know, so, uh, it's just so much that, 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 you know, drug dealers don't want the cops involved. They want to stay as far away from cops as they can. So they're not going to commit no murders unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you get some people in here that, that are lunatics, you know, you get some gang bangers and, you know, first thing go wrong, they pull their pistol yeah. out and go to shooting. But I'm saying the guys who make it to the top of the drug chain are usually smart entrepreneur mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, we're going to get into that in this series here, you know, this season as we do more episodes. We're going to, you know, get into the issue of your rights and how can someone, you know, make a story about you that, you know, is clearly about you but not involve you. Um, How does that type of thing, you know, happen? And, um, you know, we can get, uh, you know, some some lawyers on and we're going to break that down a little more as the season goes on. The one thing I wanted to kind of end on um, and we can explore in, in more depth. One of the things I, I like about Snowfall is, you know, they do include certain, you know, uh, nods uh, and, and acknowledgments of certain things that are real things that uh, that happen and, um, you know, hopefully gets people to, to think a little more and, and, and learn more about those things. So one of the things I noticed in this first episode uh, when the uh, police, when the police come to uh, uh, raid that house, and uh, they they're like beating up the kid outside the house, they've been running through the house or whatever. Uh, you see on the uniform it says LAPD crash, so they're showing you this is uh, part of the crash unit, uh, which was a, a special kind of anti drug anti-gang task force i believe you know created in the late 70s in in la but they became notorious um and even on into the into the 80s and 90s you know the the rampart scandal that got exposed was uh all part of that crash unit um so there's a lot of interesting things that we can talk about when it comes to, to to crash and 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 the conduct of of the lapd so um Give us a little of your thoughts on that before we wrap up. I mean, this is something, you know, like I said, we'll we'll delve more deeply uh, in, in episodes coming up. Well, you know, I have my own task force. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, they named the task force Freeway Task Force, and and that was they was similar to get me. So I definitely I got, I got the marks to, to to show you. Yeah, you see that there here up under my eye, and I got dog bites. You know, from when I was handcuffed, and they got the dog bite me up while I while I was handcuffed. So I definitely got experience with them. You know, drugs being planted. You know, uh, uh, one of the cops. Uh, and, you know, I had one of the cops who, who turned on the other cops. You know, he started testifying against him. So uh, when they went in the trunk of the car and they put two kilos of cocaine in his vest and, and walked him over to the car where uh, Wyatt jumped out the car and ran and put the two kilos down and took pictures and said, oh, this is where he dropped the kilos at. So I absolutely very familiar with them. Not not as familiar as, as Franklin was, you know, where I think his auntie was getting information from the cop. We never was that privileged when we get information from the cops, but we definitely know that they planted drugs on us and lied on the witness stand and forged search warrants and stuff like that there. Uh, we didn't have the, the, the privilege of, of being able to work with the cops. Okay. Well, um, this is after the snow. This is our second episode. You know, we're going to keep growing and building. Uh, we want to get our, our viewers and listeners uh, involved. We want to, uh, you know, possibly get some of you guys on the show with us. We want to, hear your comments, uh, not just about after the snow, but about snowfall. Uh, so you can go to the uh, Breakbeat Media uh, YouTube page. You can go to the Breakbeat Media Instagram page. Uh, hit us up, leave some comments. Let us know, uh, you know, things that you, you would like to know from, from Freeway and about the, uh, the new season of snowfall. Um, you know, and uh, I, I haven't said this we're we're uh we're shooting at night tonight so it's dark uh yesterday you guys got to see the the background a little better but uh you know i'm here at the breakbeat headquarters in chicago illinois um you know and that's the, the city you'll see behind me we had a little little snow cloudy day uh uh, uh today um you know that's chicago for you in, in february um but, uh, you know, of course, Rick is is in L.A. and Brett's here in Chicago with me. Uh, so just to kind of fill you guys in a little bit more about what's going on uh, uh, here. So um, I think we should, you know, wrap up. If anyone has any last final comments, we're going to come back uh, to talk about episode two and then uh, next week, episode three. So, uh, yeah. I think you I think you wrapped it up pretty good for us, man. Just hoping that some of them give us some good information. You know, uh, I can remember when it first came out, I was getting so many DMs on my Instagram and Facebook. And, and hopefully uh, some of those will come back up and you guys will lace us on some of your thoughts back then. And, uh, matter of fact, some of you guys who remember the first commercials, because you guys made them change their commercial. They made them change their commercial day wow. uh, when they first aired. Yeah, they took the commercial down. Why so, was that? Uh, <clears throat> well, th they were saying that it was my story. You know, it was like mm -hmm. people were saying, oh, this is Rick's story for sure. So they changed that commercial, I guess, to to to, to disguise it a little better than, than what it was. I see. Well, so, wow. so hopefully some of them will tune in and, and, and give us some 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 uh, answers and some some questions. Yeah. Definitely. Tell us what you want to hear. We would love that. What do you want us to cover more of, less of? Just give us your overall thoughts. All right. Well, Breakbeat Media after the snow. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.